Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, again in the middle of July. And so, we have a special show for you that's going to be all about things that you can do around water. Because we know you're all at the beach, we know you're all listening to the podcast. You've got your feet into the sand, looking out over the waves. And what better way to celebrate the waves than to talk about the rivers of America, specifically about the show Fantasmic, which is coming back to Disneyland after a long hiatus and a redo. And in order to tell us the history of the Fantasmic show, we need to bring in one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Just let me pull my water feet out of the, the water of the rivers of America and it's like, ooh. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> it's been in the waters of New Jersey. I was going to make a Chris Christie reference there and then I didn't. But uh, <laughs> totally was going it, there then I didn't. It's kind of the same visual with the chair lens. So, you know, just sort of like those damn paparazzis. This is insane. This is concrete. What? There you All right. Go. Oh, I'm so disappointed. Jim, uh, Fantasmic is coming back. It's been on, it's been on hiatus now for... For a few months, and it's it's going through a retooling. Disney's released some concept art showing what it's going to be like now. They've got Rapunzel in it. They've got Simba in it. I think there was an Aladdin reference in there. But uh, as part of our chronological Disneyland series, let's let's talk a little bit about how Fantasmic came to be and possibly what other ideas Disney was considering for doing a, a show here. So first of all, how'd they come up with a show? How'd they come up with a location? What other ideas did they consider? A lot of people out ahead of the opening of Fantasmic talking about this is the 25th anniversary of the show. Is it really? Yeah, it opened April of 92, thereabouts. If we were talking about Disney doing entertainment on the water, particularly the Rivers of America, we'd actually be talking about the 55th anniversary. And if you want to get a sense of what it was like back in the day, head over to YouTube and do a search for Disneyland After Dark. This is an episode of the NBC's Wonderful World of Color television show. This episode aired in April of 62, and the company thought so highly of this episode at the time, it was actually released theatrically overseas, and 16 years ago, the company also made it available through Walt Disney Treasures set of DVDs. They did the ones in the collectible tin. And ah, right. I thought I'd take a look at this episode again. Because they, here's the, the Mark Twain being used as a venue where one of the high points of the show is. Here's jazz legend Louis Armstrong performing on the Rivers of America. The problem is that the 22-minute mark in this thing... Mm-hmm. This is the Walt Disney Company that won't release Song of the South in North America because they're concerned about how certain animated sequences would be perceived by the African-American community. 22 minutes into this thing, there's some genuinely not politically correct stuff. This is 62. Rosa Parks wouldn't go to the back of the bus in 55, and the first college students who sat down at the counters down south, that's 61, April of 61. That is just February, like, February 1st, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. My yeah. alma mater, North Carolina a right. uh, That, coupled with the fact that every so often the camera pans to the crowd that's on the rivers of America, and short of an albino convention, you've never seen this many white people. <laughs> But that said, it's still Louis Armstrong. It's an amazing performance by Satchmo, and he's on the Mark Twain. It gives you some idea that this is what Disney did during the 60s. But if we're talking about the very first time that, like Fantasmic, Disneyland Park took all of its boats, you know, out on the water. We're talking the Mark Twain, the Columbia, even the Mike Fink keelboats, and used them as a floating stages for multi-part show, that would have been 
The summer of 77 was called an experimental production that was known at that point as the Rivers of America Entertainment Spectacular. This is the, the 22nd anniversary. All right, so this is what I pulled out of a Disneyland line from 40 years ago. This is a description of the show. So you're standing where you stand out for Fantasmic. The first thing you hear are angry shouts of an Old West uprising. As, as the Columbia sails into view, you see sailors and dancers dressed as U.S. cavalrymen battling it out with Indians. Once the Columbia disappears around the bend, there's these two comedians who actually started out performing at Disneyland. They're called Skills and Henderson, who went on to have quite a bit of success in, in the 1960s and 70s. They suddenly are on stage at Tonsier's Island, and they're dressed as gestures from Fantasyland, and they perform a stand-up routine. And then here comes the Mark Twain. You've got Mary Poppins dancing at the top of it with some chimney sweeps. You then have Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, and Eeyore who perform on a Tom Sawyer's Island raft. And the finale comes when, I guess it was called the Bertha May, one of the keelboats from the Mike Fink boat ride. They right. float into view and they've got the kids of the kingdom along with Mickey and Goofy performing this energetic number. And anybody who's ever been on a keelboat is they had like two feet of deck space. So the fact that, you know... That's the thing I'm trying to figure out here. Number one, how did they fit these characters on what are admittedly some very small boats? Number two, OSHA was okay with this? It's 77. You know, it's like, at that point, safety was, you see this nail, don't jam it into your eye. That's pretty much all OSHA did at that point. You know, in the old footage of when the Apollo astronauts were coming back to Earth and they splashed down in the ocean and all you see are frogmen? from the Navy all around them. I'm thinking that, that that's what Disney's doing, that somewhere I, in the rivers of America are a hundred people with scuba outfits on, <laughs> just waiting for waiting for Goofy to, to misstep and right. fall oh, into the water. There he goes. God help us. <laughs> He's in the water. <laughs> but anyway, just like Fantastic Today, the show ended with pyro. Now, mind you, this is pyro that's going off of barges that have been parked out on the river just out of sight. Anybody who went to Disneyland in the summers of 77 and 78, that's it. The entertainment did two years of test productions with this. So why did they end up shelving the show in 79? Well, this really has a lot to do with the fact that in January of 77, Disneyland shut down Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland to make room for Big Thunder Railroad. Between the train and the mule train ride through Nature's Wonderland, on a Saturday night, in this time period of the park's history, 70,000 people could be crammed into the park. So the fact that an attraction of that size had been taken out of the inventory for an 18-month-long build mm -hmm. for Big Thunder, they needed something to entertain. What are we going to do with this crowd that's standing around in Frontierland in New Orleans Square right. that you know previously would be off the street in that ride or riding the mule train or riding the train? And so it's like, sure. okay, so they turned to entertainment and said what can you do and it's like all right well you know we, we could do the show we could present it a couple of times a night but the downside of course is that in order to have all of those boats on the river to use as stages you then had to take the mark twain the columbia and the mike fink keel boats offline hours ahead of time to prep them for the show they also couldn't have guests on tom Sawyer island right well that's it exactly is they'd have to shut the island down well ahead of dusk, it usually right. would close at dusk 
And typically what they said is we can entertain 6,000 people at any one time with the show. And mm-hmm. typically what Disney was doing during this period was they'd present one at 8.30 at night and then follow up with a 10.30. But did that, in fact, compare to what they lost for capacity for the Twain? And Yeah, that's the thing I'm, I'm trying to figure out here. Because if their solution to the problem of closed rides mm-hmm. is closing more rides, yep. you've got to wonder how management approved that. From Disneyland's point of view, this was kind of a patch at a bad tire because, of course, okay. by summer of 79, you've at least got Big Thunder and Soft opening mode. I mean, it officially opened okay. in September that year, but people at least, okay, that's what we're going to be riding soon, or I can get in while they're test riding it. So you didn't have to do this again. Okay. Another summer goes by, you know, 1980, and then in 81, they resurrect it only in a different form. It's now called the Rolling River Review. But the gimmick this time around is they've actually built a stage. They've built a barge that they can float into place and they take out full page ads in the Los Angeles Times and the Orange County Register. So this is the lineup line. <laughs> we got both kinds of music, country and western. Oh, no, you, <laughs> damn, you took my joke. <laughs> Did I really? When can you not quote the Blues Brothers? Go ahead. Well, you know. <laughs> Uh, May 2nd, they started with surf music. So you had Frankie Avalon and Jan and Dean. And was it the music or they were actually there? They were actually there. Really? Yep. May 9th, you had Patty Page, who was there for Swing. Sadly, May 16th, all they had listed was country. They did not give me the artist. May 23rd, we had jazz. So Buddy Rich and Spyro Gyro are sharing a stage. Wow, Buddy uh, Rich. Okay. Give you some idea of the caliber of the talent. May 30th is Latin night. Tell me it's Tito Puente. No, it's Jose Feliciano. Is it really even better? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. And then we, they finish up with June 6th was pop music with Cool and the Gang and Papa Do Run Run. And the final one is Bluegrass with Leon Russell and wow. Earl Scruggs. And then because this is the same summer that Disney is putting out the Fox and the Hound, they actually tack on an extra show. And they've got Pearl Bailey, who's the voice of Big Mama from Fox and the Hound, out in the middle of this thing doing a show. What did she do? God Bless America? Well, she did Hello, Dolly. She uh, did a lot of work with, with Lou Armstrong herself. Wow. I mean, these are these are all big names. These are all recognizable uh, talents. But see, the problem with recognizable talents is you actually have to pay them. That's the problem right there. Yeah. All right. So this got expensive between hotel rooms, transportation, meals for all of these A-listers. The park was spending tens of thousands of dollars each week. And it's all for these one-night shows on a Saturday night. And as far as Disney's accountants were figuring this out, it's like they're spending $100,000 for an asset that walks out of the park. I mean, if, if 6,000 people are watching this, they could just give everybody 20 bucks and call it good, right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and so from their point of view, it's like for that amount of money, we could have built a real stage at the end of Tom Sawyer's Island. Uh, you know, okay, okay. When it came time to renew the Roland River for 82, entertainment said, look, give us the money. We'll apply it. If you give us the money that, you know, for 82 and 83 that you, you were going to spend on this Saturday night only entertainment program, you got to remember, eight, 1984 is when the Olymp- Summer Olympics are coming to L.A. We'll have oh, record right. crowds at the park. If you give us this $200,000, we can build a stage, we can have a show ready, and we'll be ready for those giant crowds. And you could run it every night, then. Yeah. Right? The plan was this show would open the stage in May of 1983 and be fully formed by April of 1984. Again, anybody who knows their Disney history knows that in spring of 84, this is when the company is besieged by Green Mailers, Saul Greenwald, Steinberg, yeah. Erwin Jacobs. 
And by the time dust settles, Ron Miller's out the door, Michael Eisner's in. Now Disneyland's management team is putting off any talk about spending money on a big nighttime show because it's like this is one of those moments where you don't want to raise your head up sort of like hey we're planning on doing something really expensive oh good you're fired (laughs) though what's cool about this is that they didn't do tests in fact i came across this amazing story that ron logan who was the then head of disneyland entertainment tells this is a direct quote from ron i was asked to create a spectacular for disneyland which had no big nighttime show at that time to be fair here, the Main Street Electric Parade has rolling, been rolling through the park since 72, and Fantasy in the Skies has been exploding over the park since 1960. But, hey, why let the truth stand in the way of a good story? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a little, he's going to roll. Let him go. Yeah, that's it. All right. 75,000 visitors during the day. The parades weren't doing enough to absorb the crowds. We had water, and we had Tom Sawyer's Island. So I thought, what can we put there? Walt Disney Imagineering said, we can't change the island. So I said... Can we put in a dock that blends in with the island? They agreed to that, so I said, so what if we, we had speakers that came onto the ground for the nighttime show and then transitioned back into the island during the day? That was okay, too. About the same time, we're closing the Golden Horseshoe, and the show's comedian Wally Bogue happened to be good friends with Lucille Ball. <laughs> Wait, it it gets so much better. So we held an after-hour party for the last Golden Horseshoe show, and Lucy shows up. So I'm wearing my new suit because I knew I'd be meeting her. And at one point, she and I are making small talk when a technician comes up to me and says, Hey, do you want to watch the test for that water cannon we're thinking of using in the nighttime show that you want to do out in the Roofs of America? So I go outside with him, and he says, Ready? And so he fires off the cannon, and it threw water all the way down to Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, so I'm absolutely wow. soaked. And I, I turned to him and said, I, I think we need a little work on that water cannon. So then I walked back inside. Lucy just looked at me and said, what the hell happened to you, honey? <laughs> Among the ideas that Logan was considering back then was a thing that he called the river haunt which the idea was they were going to use effects footage that they pulled from Fantasia's Night at Bald Mountain sequence to make it look as though the 99 ghosts who lived in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion were heading over to Tom Sawyer's Island to do some mischief. Ooh, okay. So, you know, suddenly you have all these performers who are supposedly the ghosts on stage and doing blacklight stuff, and it, it really does sound like a fun idea. Another thing that he toyed with doing was Ron wanted to do Fantasia Live, which basically consisted of they would actually erect screens on Tom Sawyer's Island, and they'd Mm -hmm. project clips from the classic Disney animated feature on these giant screens while a live orchestra, which was on the old Pearl Bailey barge stage, rolled into place. It would play out on the river. This sounds like a great... Wait, by the way, so a little segue here. Did I tell you about the Star Wars event that's happening in September with the New York Philharmonic? No. They're showing each episode of the Star Wars saga mm-hmm. one night at a time mm-hmm. with, lo- with the orchestra performing the score live. The entire Lincoln Center... The showings of it sold out in five minutes. Oh. Could not get a ticket. <laughs> like, 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 it was, I mean, you think, yeah, you, know, you hear these stories of like, you know, Beyonce going on tour and mm-hmm. all of her tickets selling out in 15 minutes. Yeah, this was the same thing. You couldn't, couldn't even get close to it. So I think, yeah, there's, a, there's something special about having an orchestra do the score. So, all right, so they, they have the, all these ideas. What happens? Here's an idea proposed for the parks. This is 82, 84. And you think about what's playing 
at Disney Hollywood Studios right now, the music of Pixar Live, the right. Symphony of Characters show. Have you checked that out yet? I have. It's um, it's very good for what it is at night. I think mm. there might not be enough stage action to keep the attention of children mm-hmm. during the day, but for people who really like it, mm-hmm. it's the same thing, right? You've got an orchestra, you've got a screen behind them showing clips of the film. The other thing I really like about it is, if you think back to Disney's reasoning for doing this, we're in the middle of construction, we're building some new stuff, we need things for people to do. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same with what's happening at the studios right now. It's no. Beauty and the Beast hasn't been updated in 20 years, but mm-hmm. we need to we need something for people to do in this park while Star Wars Land is being built, right? I think that's one of the things that just keeps coming back, this whole notion of there are no new ideas, especially with the Walt Disney Company. Why Disney was toying with the phantasmic live idea in the early to mid-1980s, this actually keyed off of something the company did about this time. You have to understand that Dolby sound had just come in and everybody was kind of losing their minds over how crisp digital sound was and so disney thought well we did fantasia back in the day and we did it in stereo sound and that's right remember you saying every theater installation was a hundred thousand dollars or something (laughs) but here are all these theaters that are putting in in dolby sound and disney thought well let's capitalize this let's re-record the score for Fantasia. So Erwin Costell, who you probably recognize that name, you've seen it in the credits of dozens of Disney films. He was the one that Disney decided should handle the digital restoration of go into the theater with this amazing collection of musicians and then perform the original scores again for Fantasia and carefully work to make sure that everything was on beat. In fact, they did a minor tweak on the rights of spring. They actually went back to the original orchestration because I guess Stakowski changed them in 1940s. Disney thought, oh, people are going to love this because Irwin has matched up the music beautifully and it's six-channel Dolby and they announce it and the classic music community falls on them like wolves because it's like you replaced a score that was directed by Leopold Stokowski with the guy who did <laughs> head knobs and broomsticks and it was just so like, I mean it, and it just Disney was blindsided but it's like but it's six channel Dolby it's like ah! we had the guy who did the chip soundtrack just update some of the Shakespeare stuff for uh, from Romeo and Juliet it's it'll be fine it's much more contemporary <laughs> That reminds me, I've actually I've been doing a lot of research on Mary Pickford, and it turns out the very first sound movie she ever did, with her husband, by the way, Douglas Fairbanks, was The Taming of the Shrew, and that this has a very famous credit, like, Taming of the Shrew by William Shakespeare, and then an additional line further down, additional dialogue by Cy Spence. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, you know that screenplay I co-wrote with Shakespeare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell of a guy. So anyway, back to Fantasia Live. So part of the problem here was in order to do this, you had to pull up these screens and you had to have three of them on the island. Barnett Ricci is over in France and they're, they're celebrating French heritage over there. And she comes across this show where someone has figured out how to do a water screen. And not only that, this water screen, they can project onto this, basically this mist curtain is thrown up. And Barnett looks at it and it's like, oh, I just figured out how to do the Disneyland show. And she goes scurrying back to Anaheim. 
we're going to stop here because on the very next installment of the show, we will get into the challenges that Disney faced with the construction of this thing, which, which to be honest, to circle back to the beginning, one of the reasons that Fantasmic has been shut down for months and months now is that they had to shut down the Rivers of America because with Star Wars Land actually intruding into the waterway, they had to mm-hmm. reroute the train, they had to reroute the river, they moved the friendly Indian camp further down to Bend to make sure all the show scenes fit. This has taken a lot of work. And when they were constructing Fantasmic, they had to drain the entire Rivers of America, put in the devices to do the water screens, Mm. in addition to the fire effects and that sort of thing. And what happened to the poor ducks who weren't aware of the fire effects? (laughs) We'll discuss on the next installment of Chronological Disney. Will you tell us also in the next episode uh, whether when they drained the rivers of America, they found uh, any costume characters at the bottom of the, uh, like from those Mike Fink keelboats? (laughs) Oh, that's where Steve went. No, no, don't look inside the costume. There you go. No, no, no. no. (laughs) All right. And uh, also, uh, you'll have a post-D23 Oh, yeah. All right, fantastic. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Please go on to Stitcher and iTunes and your latest water screen and write a review of the show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show. Take care, guys.